When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and this is a special Saturday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast because of course we have to recap day two of the NFL draft. So Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams and I look at the two picks that the Browns made on Friday night, talk about how they might fit the upsides for both players. Of course, I'm talking about Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and Anthony Schwartz. So we get into all of that on this quick recap of day two of the draft. Now, if you aren't a Football Insider subscriber yet, you've been missing out on some good stuff this weekend. So make sure you go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. You get an exclusive newsletter in your email every single day. You get access to our texting service. And most importantly, you get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Again, the blue banner at the top of the page at cleveland.com slash browns. Now, here's a special Saturday podcast. And here we go, reacting to day two of the NFL draft for the Browns. Let's just start at the top. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. We've all got to learn to say it. We've all got to learn how to spell it because this guy is going to be a very important piece of this defense, I think. Let's just start with kind of how this all fell for the Browns and the fact that they kind of read this room a little bit, decided to trade up. Andrew Barry even joked, like, is this a fever dream? The Browns traded up and picked a linebacker. Uh, Paul D. Podesta admitted this was a the guy they were considering at number 26. Mary Kay... In, in, in honor of our victory lap tradition, you did write a post today that this is exactly what the Browns should do. So I know you're not surprised by this, but were you at least a little surprised that they actually did it? No, I really <laughs> wasn't. I, I wasn't. I mean, when I saw that he was still there today, it was such a no brainer. I think I texted you guys really early this morning. I, would, I didn't get around to writing the story until later. Uh, because none of us slept very much last night, but, um, but no, the minute I saw that he was still on the board and that Elijah Moore was still on the board, uh, I figured that they would probably try to trade up to get one of those guys. Now, Elijah Moore went off the board, I think with the second pick in the second round, it was very, very, very early on. So that flew right out the window. Um, but as the picks started to go down, I'm thinking, oh boy. They are actually going to pull this off. And, you know, in talking to, to, you know, to people pre-draft, you kind of get a feel for who they have interest in, uh, you know, who they don't. It was pretty evident that they liked this guy. And uh, they would have taken him. And they admitted that tonight. They would have taken him at 26. He was on their radar at 26. And so for, to be able to get him at, 50, at 52, these guys are over the moon about this. He is like the perfect Joe Woods defense kind of hybrid guy that you can do so many different things for him with him. It's going to be where is Waldo for so many different guys in this defense. I mean, think about this. They're going to be like, uh, you know, like a chess game. I mean, offenses are going to have a hard time 
IDing this defense. Quarterbacks are going to have a really, really difficult time trying to figure out who is where and even who's the safety, right? Because he can play linebacker. He can play, he can play the safety in the big nickel. They're not admitting that he's going to do that, but he can do that. Um, and it's just like that for everybody. I mean, Miles can play outside and Malik can play inside and outside. And that's the theme of the defensive overhaul. Now they can do that with all these guys. And it's just going to be a matter of sort of directing traffic. But I think these guys are smart enough and green dotish enough, all of them, to be able to pull it off. The Browns, it's like they're taking the lead in the quest for positionless football with all these people who can do all these different things. It, this really didn't surprise me because of everything Andrew Barry's done really over the past two years now. It's, he does so many things that make sense. And I know that, you know, he made the joke about trading up and I, I, on Twitter, you know, you saw people saying that this was kind of like a slap in the face of analytics and, you know, a team trades up and they take a linebacker on top of it. But I don't look at it that way because number one, you're going to get pushback from people when you call him a linebacker. And number two, what they really did is they moved up and got a guy who like Mary Kay said is super versatile and uh, first and foremost can cover in the middle of the field. And that just opens up so many things for this defense and it solves a lot of problems that they had last season. So it isn't like they, they traded up and they, and they picked a guy who, is just a great tackler and run defender. You know, he can, he's good across the board. And the Browns did not have a linebacker like that last season. So now, like, if you have like a 35-year-old backup quarterback who's trying to pick up a third and whatever with his legs in the divisional round of the playoffs, you have a guy who can maybe deal with that. That's just a hypothetical. But, you know, I think uh, this pick uh, – gives you the chance to avoid situations like that. Scott, it's, it's funny you said that. I, I just, I didn't want to tweet this, but I, I thought about it. I feel like if, if this defense and the Browns win a Super Bowl, maybe Chad Henney should get a ring. <laughs> that, that was like the first play I thought of. Ellis, your, your thoughts on the trade up and the pick. So the way we documented, jotted, tweeted, noted the personnel packages the offenses were using last year at training camp, you know, like, oh, there, here comes 13, here's a 21, oh, it's Chubb and Hunt, oh, it's, you know, Hooper and Njoku and two backs, and oh, there's Jojo Natson taking reverse. The way we followed that and obsessed over it in a way, and, and exactly how we should have, because we were trying to figure out what Stefanski's offense was going to look like that's what's going to happen with the defense now. And to Mary Kay's point about the where's Waldo, where's the green dot or who's the safety, who's the mic is Joe Woods going to play Jacob Phillips and Anthony Walker, and then plug in JOK as a third linebacker. Is he playing safety with Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit and John Johnson? And that I'm not even mentioning defensive line players who bring their own level of versatility to this defense. It is going to be really intriguing and fun to watch and for people who are interested in the new frontier of football where football's going what it's going to look like how colleges are influencing the game the browns might be a good case study for it just this year to see what it all is going to look like and you know give it time to gel together this is going to take time to figure out what everyone's role is going to be and what roles they play well but just as a collection of parts and specifically with jok he 
is a guy that I'm not really sure what his position is, but I think that's the point. It doesn't necessarily matter. It's up to Joe Woods to figure out what situations he can best thrive in. It, we're going to talk a lot about his past defense, as we should. I just watched – well, not just. It took some time. But I watched every rep of his uh, Alabama-Notre Dame game from this past year, and I was really impressed with his run defense. He has a, a quickness to his game, a, a fierceness to his ability to shed blocks that I don't want to say surprised me, but it just adds to this team's versatility both as a, a unit that's going to be able to stop the run and combat the pass. I think of Jadavion Clowney as, yeah, you want a guy who comes to get sacks, but no, Jadavion's really going to stop the run. And I think Browns fans are going to be impressed with how stout and how quickly JOK is going to get after the ball carrier. And of course, move sideline to sideline. That has been the theme of uh, this offseason when it comes to rebuilding the defense, being faster, being quicker. And that means getting sideline to sideline to compete with the athletes who get on the perimeter so well in this league. So the only potential downside of this, I I think is like last year, Isaiah Simmons was the talk of the draft, right? Oh my God, Isaiah Simmons. He's the new, he's the new breed. He's the new defender in the NFL. And that could still happen. He's played one year, but it didn't happen his rookie year. I do think guys like this can be really difficult for defensive coordinators. I think it's easy to close your eyes and say, all right, I see how this guy fits, but it's a little harder to execute because you got to make it work within 10 other guys and you know you have to maneuver people around i I mean look i I called him essentially like the finishing piece of of this build right they kind of addressed all these other things and now they bring in this like super hybrid type linebacker that they can do anything with but it is going to be difficult I, i don't know i'm trying to think how many players we've seen that have really been able to play this position you know ellis actually i think they mentioned anthony harris on the broadcast is kind of the the fixer on that minnesota defense so i yeah you know, I think a lot of the examples we would find are probably more safeties than linebackers, honestly. Well, you know, when he's looking, when even to talk to him, he looks at a number of different types of players mm-hmm. to pattern his game after an Ed Reed and a Darius Leonard. So, you know, even he's kind of straddling two worlds in terms of positions. And I actually think that is why he fell because he was he is one of those players where, uh, in, in a in a season when it's difficult enough to try to get a gauge on, on guys when not everybody's playing full seasons and those those kinds of things I think a lot of teams probably just didn't really know how or where they could use him uh, and Dan when you mention that it's going to have to it's it's going to be a little bit challenging to figure out how it's all going to work together the reason it will be extra challenging is because they are doing virtual off-season again. And we they do have a lot of moving parts and moving pieces. And, you know, you start to shout things out and figure those things out in OTAs when they, when they do the installs. You know, John Johnson will be directing traffic back there. And then you'll have, you know, the linebackers doing their thing and everybody will be kind of be managing their positions, but it's hard to do that virtually. Right. I mean, like you've got to get out on the grass. And so I think that part of it is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but that is also why you will notice a theme in with all of these guys. They are so smart. I mean, they are just a really smart bunch of guys, you know, smart, tough, accountable football players. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think that that is, you know, that's, that's going to power this sort of multiple defense that, that we're going to see is that they're, they're going to be scheme efficient. They're going to know where they need to be. They need, they're going to, a lot of it will be based on flying around and making plays the way that Jeremiah talked about today. Uh, but it will also be uh, just playing darn smart football. And I, I, I think that we're seeing them add those kind of players onto the team. Yeah. I, I'll give you the stat. It's, it's uh, from PFF. It's day one and day two linebackers over basically the last five years who have played 500 snaps. So roughly half a team snaps and earned a grade of 70 or above, which is like their cutoff for starter level play. For linebackers, it's the second worst out of any position, 7.1%. That's out of 25 qualifying picks over that time. So yeah, don't uh, expect him to come in and, and be the guy from day one. And don't assume that if that doesn't happen, he's a bust. It's, it's like Andrew Barry said multiple times over the past week here, it, it takes time to, to figure things out in the NFL. And, uh, you know, this team made a lot of moves so that they didn't have to rely on a rookie to come in and, and kind of take over, especially in the middle of the defense. So just something to keep in mind as we head to training camp and, those early season games when you're wondering, well, did they miss on this guy? What's wrong? Yeah, I, I think it's a great point, Scott. I, I think this defense may be best suited and perhaps what they're trying to build is a unit that just can rotate. Like, yeah, Denzel Ward, your other outside corner, and John Johnson and Miles Garrett are probably every snap players for the most part. Maybe throw a D tackle in there. But outside of that, I could see them wanting just to have interchangeable parts, keep guys fresh and have situational ability and availability, which would give reason for a, a slow development for JOK. So I completely agree, Scott. Yeah, Ellis, I, I think we'll see a lot of matchup football where one week you might see a bunch of three safeties. You might see a bunch of John right. Johnson and Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit, and maybe we don't see a bunch of JOK on the field. And then the next week we see more of him and we see a more, maybe we see a more traditional look defensively. I, th I think that's sort of what they've built to is the ability to play that matchup game real quick before we move on to Anthony Schwartz though, just the process, right. Of, of getting this pick, because that's what this organization is going to love to talk about. It's process over result. Well, they got the process and the result here. This was a the guy they wanted at 26. Again, they just sort of waited for the draft to come to them. They pounced at the right time. And I thought Paul D. Podesta made an interesting point. And I saw some people make this point on Twitter, but then Paul D. Podesta said it. They didn't give up any picks. They still have yeah. the same number of picks. So maybe we were all wrong when we said that they weren't going to make nine picks in this draft because it was obviously very important to them to hang on to, to not necessarily give up that number of picks. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're trying to take a, a bunch of swings at the plate. And, and I think that that's important because they are trying to build their own identity and their own personality and their own culture on the team. And I think that's very, very important to them from a scheme standpoint and from every other standpoint. But when I look at JOK or Wu or whatever we're going to end up calling him, <laughs> Wu will be on the field with Doo Doo. 
uh, <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's Jadavian Clowney. So we'll start to get the nicknames. But, um, you know, when I, when I look at the fact that he could have been their number 26 overall pick, that says immediate starter and on the field every down to me. I, I just think he's going to be, I think he's going to be their, their linebacker. And I, I, unless, unless he has a little bit of some type of a unforeseen slower development than they anticipate, I think they're throwing him into the fire and I think they're going to keep him on the field early and often. I mean, and if that does happen, it just, a thing I kept thinking about tonight is the number of new starters they could have on this defense and just the turnover in general. Um, it's weird because they brought back, you know, the entire coaching staff, the whole offense is coming back. And yet the defense, it's like they've hit the reset button in a huge way. Mm-hmm. This, this defense is almost like a new coaching staff has come in and cleaned house. It's just kind of incredible the difference between the two sides of the ball. And, and Ellis was right from early. I, we don't, we don't really know what we're going to get from this Joe Woods defense. It's, it's like he's starting over from scratch and he has a lot of better pieces, I guess, this year to work with. And, and it'll be fun to see the, the veteran linebackers, if you will, take those first few reps in training camp and then slowly but surely the, those young guys interject and, and, and Mary Kate could be right about this. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Look, we all watched. We all saw the games. They, they were seeing this. They all saw Trace McSorley throw that duck for a third down conversion. Chad Henney's run and Lamar Jackson come out of the tunnel and, and hit that 44 yeah. yarder. They all saw that stuff. So I, I don't know. This is, it does, it's not all that surprising, I think, that they've really kind of remade this thing. All right, real quick, let's talk about Anthony Schwartz. And I guess quick is the, the word to use here because he is very fast, a 42540. I think is what he ran at his pro day. Everybody was flying on their pro days this year, but his was the fastest, I believe, in in college football. So I I guess let's try and frame who this guy is, right? Because I think the initial thought is, oh, maybe this guy's next, right? We've talked so much about planning for the future and getting ready for Odell and Jarvis when they're going to have to move on. Is that how we should talk about him, or should we look at him more as – an extra piece, a guy that brings that element of speed that they're lacking probably isn't going to play a whole lot this year, just sort of in situations where they need that, that four, two, five speed out there and they want to cause some problems with it. But long-term is he always just going to be that guy or could he end up being a, a one or a two? Well, let me just say that there is a, a very big factor that we cannot overlook here when it comes to Anthony Schwartz. And that is, Uh, that he's going to have one of the best wide receiver coaches in the NFL in Chad O'Shea. Uh, Chad O'Shea took Donovan Peoples-Jones last year, and I don't think very many people had great expectations uh, for Donovan last year. And he got out on that football field, and he looked like he had been around for a while, and that maybe he had had even played a preseason game, (laughs) which never happened. Uh, So... Chad is just really good at his job. And I think he's an amazing coach that is, that is going to be able to coach this guy up in a way that he's never been coached before. And so I don't think, I don't think we know what he has yet or what he's going to be. But one thing that we all know that you can't coach is speed. So they've added a tremendous, tremendous element of speed uh, to this offense. And 
they're going to use it. They will use it this year. And I even asked Quasi about that. I said, you know, you, you know, you're going to find a way to get that speed on the field. Right. And he said, if not, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> I mean, you have, you have to account for that. You have to account for that speed. Chad O'Shea will help him work on his hands. Jarvis will help him work on his hands. I mean, you know, I mean, the things that he needs to work on, he, he will work on, but somehow, some way, uh, they, they will stretch those defenses and strike some fear into defenses with that blazing speed. So I was wrong. The Browns don't hate Richard Higgins. They, they hate Jojo Natson, apparently. Um, <laughs> I think that's the job this guy's going to take. He's not going to be a kick returner. He didn't do that in college, but um, yeah, he's going to get better with NFL coaching for sure. But I'd be shocked if he's uh, ever in a position to be number one or two receiver with the Browns. I think he's, he's all about his speed. And if they can get him to be somebody who uh, can, you know, run his routes consistently and, and catch the ball somewhat consistently, then they, you know, they have something they can use in the offense. I, it's, I, I just, from everything I've read about him, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's speed and he's very, he's very thin. He's still about 30 pounds heavier than Jojo Natson, but he's still very thin like 186 um and you know beyond that it's it's run him down the field and, and use jet sweeps he actually had more rushing touchdowns in college and than receiving so he's a he's a he's a weapon that Kevin Stefanski I'm sure he'll figure out fun ways to use it was apparent this offense was in trouble when Richard Higgins started faking jet sweeps to stress opposing overhang players and defenders to just create that element of a, of a jet sweep coming that you knew Higgins wasn't going to take. And Scott's hundred percent, right. This is Jojo Natson's job vanishing uh, on the call. He did mention how he returned kicks in high school and would want to do it again. Everyone's going to say that. I don't know if he'll do it here or not. Maybe we should call coach prefer, but um, <laughs> he is a guy who, I would also be surprised if he develops into a number one or number two receiver. I don't think the Browns have drafted the heir to Odell or Jarvis, but who knows? I, I am hesitant because these receivers come into the league now so developed, so refined in their route running already because they're at these essentially AU seven on seven camps all summer and spring long. And the, the college game is just more expansive as it is. And they just come in developed. Anthony is not, he can get there. Uh, I thought on the broadcast is something interesting about Randy Moss giving him advice about slowing down. You can't run every rep and every route at a hundred percent or a hundred miles per hour, which makes a lot of sense. If you envision route running and the pace and the cadences you need to play in order to deceive defensive backs, if he just has one speed, well, that's going to be his job. He's going to run vertically very fast and he's going to run horizontally very fast, stretching the defense, both deep, and laterally, sideline to sideline, that's exactly what Stefanski wants to give, uh, just to keep defenders honest. A guy they can trust, well, assuming he catches the, a few of the early ones, now teams will have to respect it. A guy they'll have to respect deep and a threat they'll actually have to hold for if they give him the jet. Because like Scott said, he scored more college touchdowns on the ground than in the air. So if he gets that jet, he's clearly pretty dangerous and knows what to do with it. So he's a gadget guy that I think will find a way to get on the field. But as for a long-term receiver, it's going to be a developmental process. But to Mary Kay's point, the Browns have one of the best coaches in the league at doing so. So we'll see. And, and you know, if the Browns are drafting this guy and they have Chad O'Shea as a receivers coach, he can probably block on the outside a little bit too. 
Great point. You got to block if you're going to play for Chad O'Shea. Okay, and the other key word, weapons. They added two weapons today. That's, I think that's the summary. They added a weapon on defense. They added a weapon on offense. We'll see how much those guys get used. Mary Kay, like you said, with, uh, with JOK, this is certainly a starting caliber player. I think we view him a little differently than Schwartz, but still, they added two weapons today. Okay, that's going to do it then for this uh, little quick recap of rounds two and three of the draft. We'll come back on Monday. We're going to try and put together a whole roundtable looking back on the draft and uh, talking about what the Browns do on day three. So that'll be coming on Monday when we get back onto our daily schedule. So for Mary Kay, Scott and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.